I just hit that that uh, big red circle, so I'm ready to go. All right. I, too, have hit that big red circle, so this is for you, Neil. I love you. We love you, Neil, but we're sad that you're missing April 22nd, 2018's episode 63 of the Fancy Ramen Podcast with your illustrious hosts, Scott and... Cookie. Cookie. And Cookie. That's right. Neil can't make it today, guys, so we are going to go ahead and do a two-man mono e mono podcast. Um, before we really get into what I think will be our topic of the day, what have you been up to, Cookie? Well... For those who've been following the podcasts, we got a new car and actually officially bought it on Monday and decided, fuck the car that I was driving all weekend. We got a different one. Wait, so the the car that you were test driving, you went ahead and uh, traded for a different one? Yep. So instead of just the um, base model of the premium Outback, we got the... We got the premium Outback with the EyeSight technology. So, for those who don't know, that means the car quite literally practically drives itself. I've got a setting on the cruise control to where I can set to where it'll say, hey, someone, I set my cruise control for 65, someone's going 60 miles per hour. My car will go up to a certain point and then actually match speed with that person I am stuck behind. And I can set how many seconds behind them I am between two, four, six, and eight seconds behind them. So that so way you're it, getting high-tech tailgating out of this. Yes, very high-tech tailgating. It, the, the um, crap, the like blind spot monitoring's on there now, and then it's got this lane assist so it'll actually use GPS and the actual lines of the road, and it'll say, hey, you're, you're drifting a little bit, and the car will correct for me. That is amazing. That is nearly self-driving when it comes to highway driving. And by nearly self-driving, I quite literally got onto the expressway on Dodge to where I'm going west, so you know how it like turns right a little bit and then gets right. onto the thing? Yeah, I said, Jesus, take the wheel, and took my hands off the thing. The car started screaming at me. It's like, keep your hands on the wheel, keep your hands on the wheel, but it actually did that merger for me. <laughs> oh, my God. That would give me so much anxiety, though, especially with a brand-new car. It'll it'll beep at me when people are in my blind spot if I'm trying to like merge over or if someone's about to run into me, it'll beep at me as well, and it'll do like a little speed-up thing. Oh yeah, it's mm. kind of kind of amazeballs. The car's a little a little nervous. Like the car itself is kind of nervous about drivers around me. It's a very defensive driver and I love it. Right. If if somebody's gonna be neurotic in your driving situation, at least the stress is on the vehicle and not you. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and now I I've backed into every parking space I have gone through. I even had the chance to pull through and I was like, nah son, I'm backing in. <laughs> Okay, so you have um, a backup camera with this for sure. Do you have any other cameras besides the, uh, I guess, automatic camera system for this uh, somewhat autonomous driving function? So there are three cameras pointing straight ahead, and that's going to be for the eyesight and tracking and doing all that other shit in the one backup camera. So there aren't... So unfortunately, I don't have the... I put the car in reverse, and it gives me like the top-down view. Of mm-hmm. what's happening around me, I don't have that, oh. but I'm fine without that. 
Okay, yeah. I um I personally with my vehicle have a camera that's on the right-hand mirror. And so I can see into the right-hand lane if I go to merge and it's got good enough scope that I can actually see a little bit behind me as well and somewhat in my lane. What? And then I also have the backup camera. Yeah, it's such a nice feature. I don't know why other cars don't have it. Like it's super simple. If you're going to have a backup camera, you already have the display functions to just have that like right mirror camera. I think it may be a concern in which that is a part of the car that could probably get messed up pretty bad in an accident. But with how much it helps me be a defensive driver, I feel like it's also a lot safer than a mirror without a camera function on it. That's crazy. I love it. I want this. Like, yeah, and car- you were talking about that like 360 camera view. I think I've seen on a couple more modern vehicles where you can see like the top-down view of the whole vehicle more or less from the cameras on the like skirt of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's nice too if you're really trying to get into a tight space, but it, it it does seem like overkill for a lot of scenarios. Oh, it's it's super nice. I, I wonder how kids are going to drive though when. You know, like the first time uh, a teenager is driving a car, they have all these cameras available. And then you put them in like a 99 Camry and just be like, all right, go right ahead. And they don't know what to do. I don't think kids are going to be driving, but I guess they uh, forget who stopped their autonomous. That's true. Um, I know there was an article like a couple of weeks ago that someone stopped doing their self-driving cars because there was a fatality. Oh, um, is this, I, I remember actually seeing the news article about the, if it was the woman who was like on her bike in, in the road, like during the evening. Yeah. I I remember seeing and reading that article. They were doing the autonomous driving and the, uh, supervisor was like, looking down away from the dash right before the crash happened and didn't intervene in time. Yeah, it was the um, Uber Uber crash. So yeah, so so but no, kids aren't going to be um kids aren't going to be doing this. I guess that's uh that's it's a lot for me to come to terms with that I may be one of the last generations that knows how to drive a vehicle without any ca- Actually, I can't even, you know, I can't even say that I know how to drive a vehicle without adding the omission that I'm horribly bad with a manual versus an automatic transmission. Oh, I can honestly say that I am going to get so lazy so quickly with this one. <laughs> Cause this is my first automatic transmission car. Oh, wow. Nice. That's, that is nice. I bet you will really enjoy that. Um, uh, I have a friend who really, really enjoyed manual vehicles. And I think once he got a vehicle that had that, uh, it's the like sportier upshift downshift where it's a uh it's an automatic but you can have a the, manual functionality the paddles the useless paddles i've got the useless yeah, paddles yeah it, it's like the paddles or i think it's actually even on the uh stick that you can just toggle it up or down to change gears um yeah but i know useless. that he he still really enjoyed that i'm sure there are plenty of people who don't mind letting go though yeah, um, I decided to use my little toggle paddles for a little bit and was like, yeah, this is dumb. I, so with all the uh, extra time, like all that mental energy, you don't have to put it into driving as safely. 
Have you been up to anything else this week? Um, there was a thing that Lizzie took me to yesterday called the, it wasn't junk stop, but it was pretty similar. Uh, so basically it was just this flea market that's in Nebraska right now going on this weekend where people get to sell their own goods and it's pretty much like junk stop except for it's in a staple, a horse staple, a very large horse staple. Hmm. And we ended up buying a painting on a screen door-ish type of material. And it looks really nice. I'll have to send you a picture, Scott, later. Yeah, totally. So it's uh, it's that like wire um, screen that yeah, you would normally put over but it's a sliding like a, glass door? Yeah, but it's like a super tight wire mesh. Oh, okay. Hmm. So yeah, I didn't I didn't know that junk stock was exclusively a Nebraska thing, but it looks like it's the first thing that pops up when I Google it. Oh, is junk stop exclusive in Nebraska? I guess I've never heard of junk stop till I got here. But or yeah, maybe so it's, it's just that it uh it is currently in Nebraska. I don't I don't know how junk stock honestly works now that I think about it. Uh it's not in Nebraska right now. We're it's like something else that's pretty much close to junk stop right now. Okay. I don't, I don't even know what it is, but yeah. So if you've ever been to a flea market, now just make it an annual flea market and then put it outside and then give it more of a hippie vibe and then make all the art super, not that actually good or clean looking, make it rustic and then make it three times more expensive than you actually want to pay for it. And that's junk stock. Gotcha. And this event, do all the same things, except for some of the booths are actually kind of nicely priced. So the place that Mm. we bought our painting from, I actually, Lizzie was like, is this too much? I was like, no, actually, this is actually a really good price for the M size. Nice. But that's pretty much all we've been up to, non-gaming related. How about yourself, Scotta? Um, let's see. The most exciting thing that's gone down for me is, uh, I actually had to sacrifice part of my Saturday yesterday for some work, but because it, uh, it was kind of a flexible shift that I had to fill because of some tasks that needed to get done. I actually got out of, uh, my place of work early on Friday and went for a, uh, long hike up in the mountains, which was fun. I chose the wrong uh, podcast to listen to, though, because I was essentially listening to a uh, podcast that the theme of it was a uh, like weekly or like monster of the week um, tabletop game in Ooh. which they were dealing with like a ferocious animal in the middle of the woods that was oh. like stalking and hunting them and so unfortunately um it kind of put me in maybe not the best mindset for hiking through like densely wooded areas (laughs) and like small dirt trails but i got pretty close to the top of uh one of the peaks on this trail and took some nice photos that i'll throw up on slack for you and neil sometime soon they're part of my uh tour montana um like uh what's what would i call it they're part of my uh tour montana promotion that i'm trying to get my friends to come up and visit me so 
I don't have to leave my beautiful paradise now that it's finally starting to get like sunny and warm out. Um, but besides that, I haven't been up to too much because, you know, I had to work yesterday. I didn't make too many big plans and, um, I might go see a movie tonight, but otherwise I've been keeping it pretty real. I could just take it. hanging around. Well, I guess on that note, we can kind of get into video games ish types things. Yeah, video games are maybe even more like outside no. of the realm of standard video games and more into the realm of very high-tech toys. Actually, or you could I, even call them toy cons, right? Yes, you can call them toy cons. But before that, I do want to mention, I did finally get Lizzie to start playing um, Far Cry 5. Oh, nice. And uh, did you abandon her on a mountaintop? I did not, but she definitely got into an invisible helicopter. And almost cut me in half. There's video footage of it up on the Twitch. Nice. That is, uh, it's not exactly the cooperation you were probably looking for, but. Not at all. It'll but, keep you on your toes. But speaking of keeping me on my toes, I did like your segue. <laughs> <laughs> and so back to it. <laughs> and so, so back to it. Cookie, I know that um, our original plans before Neil went and flaked on us, shame, shame, uh, which to our listeners, Neil Neil didn't actually just abandon the podcast, but he's been overwhelmed once again with work. You went ahead and uh, purchased the Nintendo Labo the other day. Did you actually get it on its release day or did you pre-order? I pre-ordered it through Amazon and after work on Friday. I had a bowling thing. Oh, I guess I went bowling this week. But oh, I had nice. A, I had a bowling thing. I didn't know how to bowl. I forgot I knew how to bowl. It's been years. But yeah, What'd so, you get for your score? Um, the first game was a 97. I know how to bowl. I didn't say I knew how to bowl well. And the oh, second actually, game was that's, a 99. I mean, that's better than I normally post up when I bowl. I'm, I'm particularly bad at that activity. I was, uh, I was very sad I did not break 100. So you didn't get to dig into the Nintendo Labo until later that Friday evening or yesterday? Yeah, so it was about... The bowling thing ended about 5.30. So on my way home, I actually got the text that it was delivered. So as soon as I got home, Lizzie was having um, cheese and wine with one of her friends. And I was opening a box full of cardboard. Nice. And I was like, oh, God, this is going to be the coolest thing ever. I ended up pre-ordering just the Le- Nintendo Labo variety kit. Okay. For those who don't know, it comes with one, two, three, four, five, six different things versus the Nintendo Labo robot kit, which is only just a giant backpack and you are a robot. But I will need to be purchasing that at a later date and time because, oh, my God, this thing does so much fucking shit. The first thing I put together was the was one of the RC cars, just because I was like, you know, this is going to be like a nice, it said 10-minute builds, got it done in five, and was like, yeah. So the first couple questions I want to ask you before we get into the, um, the actual different types of, I guess, toy cons or um, like build kits are what were your 
impressions first off with the actual like cardboard materials and whatnot and then second off i think you said rc cars do you get more than one rc car with this pack so to answer your first question as a person who went to school for art for five years it's a very high quality cardstock so think so think of something a little more sturdy than your um cereal box Mm -hmm. and a little more durable than that Think of it like your cereal box 2.0. So is it stock. is it corrugated with that uh, like no. cardboard in the middle or no? So it is corrugated, but it's just as thin as uh, cardboard as your um. It's a corrugated version of your cereal box because I don't think cereal boxes are corrugated, are they? I don't think they are. No. Yeah. So um, it's, um, it's three and corrugation layers. is like a huge uh, improvement to durability. When it mm-hmm. comes to it, that's one of the reasons that we use the like wonder that is the cardboard box is because corrugation all of a sudden makes that paper way more durable um, and like resilient to holding shape. Yeah. And when you ask if it was corrugated, I actually literally had to pick up one of the template pieces just to look at it. And yeah, so it's a it's one layer of corrugation in between two pieces of cardstock. Nice. And I assume like these builds as well, most of them are pretty lightweight because they are such a small, um, or I should say such a thin like cardboard paper. Yes. The heaviest one so far, at least that I've had experience with is the piano, but it's also like the most time intensive build in the variety kit. Gotcha. And to answer your second question, it comes with two remote control cars. Oh, sweet. Okay, so you can do some, uh, maybe you can do some racing, or yep. is that option out? I, I saw that with the RC car, or at least what looks to be the RC car, you have two Joy-Cons in it for like a left and right, so it can vibrate and turn mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. on like a central axis. Does that mean that you need four Joy-Cons in order to race two cars? That is correct. Okay. But you only need one switch. Gotcha. Oh, that's nice. That's actually pretty cool. Um, All right, then. So let's talk, I think, the actual building then. I know that these come with a build guide that's actually on the switch. How was your experience with using that? And um, what could you compare it most closely to? I can compare it. So experience with the build guide, I love it. It is kind of like the most amazing thing ever. So I can see why they've got... So before you build anything, you can actually see what you want to build, and they'll have like an estimated range of how long it'll take for you to build it. Okay. So it was like the piano, it was like between 150 minutes to 220 minutes. I'm like, okay, so let's just... So that was like, after the RC car, that was my first build, and it took me about an hour and a half to build, because I'm an adult, an adult male but when you're building it with like your kids i could see how it can take up take up a lot more time but even right, if it's they just have a your, range for your smart child and a range for your dumb child and so you can <laughs> engage around much. that and i can see where it would actually um it's like a really easy to use guide that's good for children actually it's like like oh my god ikea can take a note from this because it takes ikea instructions 
and just super simplifies it. So it's a interactive guide where you've got a button where you can either push down the forward button and it'll like slowly show you the actions that you're going to be doing and or you can like stretch out the forward button by tapping it and holding it to the right and it'll kind of go through it a little bit faster. I wish there was a like instant next step button for just an adult building this. Mm -hmm. So that way, because I can be like, okay. And the way these, um, like the kits are set up, like the only real thing I needed the instructions for, for most of the things were just like, hey, what parts am I popping out of these um, cardboard sheets right now? And how do they kind of fit together? Because they're corrugated in such a way that you can just like see and visualize and you'll know, oh, this folds this way, this folds this way, this slots into here and that, such and such. Building the building the um, motorcycle, that definitely came into a little more compli- complicated like things because there were like internal mechanisms. Right. And oh, I guess we should say the variety kit comes with a fishing rod, a house, a motorbike, a piano, two RC cars, and oh, that's it actually. Yeah, and then accessories and stickers and stuff. Yeah, so the um, the way everything kind of works when you're building, you've got these uh, reflective sticker sheets. These stickers are what the IR camera for the on the right Joy-Con actually picks up to say, oh, I am now inside of the house. Because oh. like in the base of the house, you'll actually set stickers in very specific set sections. And then when you put the Joy-Con in, the Joy-Con will say, oh, these two reflective surfaces are here and here. I'm inside the house versus oh. where they go inside the piano versus, oh, I guess, no, only the piano and the house are the ones that I've got so far that have the stickers set inside of them. But yeah, so it's just like, oh, I'm in the house. This is the piano. This is like the rotation of this area. And then, That's a really cool detection option versus just indicating on the actual software where it's at, letting it know innately its position. Yeah. So does that mean that you can like quick swap it between these things and it'll pick up on what program it's supposed to be running? I have no idea. I haven't even tried it. Okay, we might have to test that. That sounds really interesting. Oh, I will be testing that. And I can honestly say the um, Labo is teaching you, it teaches you a lot. So beyond just putting together these kits, it's got these um, this area called Discover, where right. it'll actually, like, it's a little childish how, how, like, the script is written out. But so I went through the Discover for the right Joy-Con only, just because... And it was like, it's like an hour long lesson, more or less. Not even, actually, it's pretty short. But it's like multiple little segments just talking about the IR camera and how it works. It has like this um, 3D view, not 3D view, like they can, they cut off part of the Joy-Con mm-hmm. so you can actually see what the IR camera looks like. Oh, so it's okay. a camera. It's, a, it's like a cross section. Yeah. So it shows you like there's a camera into the left of the Joy-Con. There are two infrared lasers and to the right there are also two infrared lasers the so you actually get the, to learn a little bit about the construction of these tools as well um, yep the, that's that's neat just in like a uh, curiosity about how the actual hardware for the like switch is built not even 
not even talking about like the labo itself, but just like that information is cool without having to obviously take it apart. Oh yeah, and then every time they do it, they're like, "Don't take your lab, don't take your Joy-Con apart. That'll break the <laughs> warranty." But they're like, "So yeah, so I now know that the two two infrared beams to the left are for a wide spectrum, and the two to the right are for a more narrow focus pinpoint laser." Oh my gosh. Okay, cool. And so this discover section is primarily going to be used by probably maybe older kids and adults to, uh, I I believe it gives you information about actually how um, it works because there will be the opportunity to create your own things or program your own games out of the Labo. There is the opportunity to create your own things with the Labo using the, um, I forget what it's actually called. I think it's just the workshop. Okay. But it's, it actually, the Discover is broken down in such a way that I think even my um, niece, Taylor, who was five, would understand, like, oh, this is what the IR camera does and what it's for. It does, like, little experiments where it says, okay, and now we're going to turn on the IR camera, so if you're looking at the Switch screen, you can now see what the IR camera sees. And it's just like, oh, this is actually kind of kind of like really interesting and really cool. And they're like, yeah, put your IR camera, check it out mode is what it's called, where it just turns on the IR camera. So they're like, put it inside the piano and then turn on check it out mode so that way you can actually see where you've put these reflective stickers for each key to show, oh yeah, this is what the camera is actually seeing and how it knows this is a B flat instead of a just a normal B. Okay. So um, now the next question i have that i didn't think about earlier the uh nintendo labo itself like that software is something that you do or don't pay for in addition to the cardboard and accessories so think of it more of and actually a part of the news that i've got set up here for later today i'll go over it now okay Um, nintendo's already got the spare parts for you set up so you can actually buy the full robot kit for $62 and or the you full can variety buy kit. Piecemeal? Mm hmm. Actually, the robot kit, it's only one thing. So you'll actually have to buy all the different little parts to build the full robot, and that's going to come out to around $62. Okay. Or if you just say bought the robot kit, then you can buy little parts of the variety kit. The full variety kit turns out to be $43. Okay. So I think of it as more of. The software is like 20 30 bucks, and then you're paying for this really nice card stock. Okay. And, like, the amazing part is if you've got, like, a nice caliper and you can just go out and buy your own card stock and or just recycle whatever you've got, you got a nice caliper, you can build all of this shit. Right. You could use your own materials for this and then just uh, using, like, the reflective stickers or whatnot. Because that sheet is super cheap. I doubt that you actually would want to, like, find an alternative for it. I think it looks like it's $1.99 for the replacement for the robot kit and $2.99 for the uh, variety kit. You could, you could theoretically, like, Cookie, you could 3D print all of your items if you wanted to, if you got the dimensions down and built them in like a CAD software. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's kind of actually my plan because with the, whatever it was called, the workshop for actually programming your own things, one of the things that they actually go by 
is you can make your own full band by setting up different Joy-Con to hit different like objects to be like snares and different types of drums. There's the actual piano that you've already built out. And I am in the middle of programming my own guitar. So do they have um, like audio samples that are being used for this then? Or is there like, how do, how do you get these particular sounds out of it? They have those audio samples in the actual workshop or you have to yes. import them somehow? So the audio samples are actually in the workshop. I, oh, I hope they can let you import your own sounds. Actually, that'd be kind of Now cool. that would be crazy. Yeah. I don't, I doubt that, I don't doubt that they will have that in the future. I'm pretty sure okay. that's going to be something that's, if not already implemented, because there are parts of Labo that are still hidden to me. Yeah. Like, I mean, as this I'm, is, what, this is day three of Labo's release? Yep. And as you build things, and as you play with things, more of the back end of Labo gets unlocked for you. How so? So... After building the after building the piano and finding out like the piano comes with you have four knobs that you can actually use with this piano. One knob you put it in, it turns your um normal piano sounds into cats. One it's an old man, three it's like a singing choir, and the fourth one it actually changes instead of like a sound being played it sets your Joy-Con to vibrate at a certain frequency. Oh. So then after building the piano, it was like, oh yeah, now you've built the piano, you see how the piano kind of works because you went through the um, Discover area. Now, hey, we've unlocked the studio. So now you can actually record songs using the built-in studio software. So it's like a... I like to think of it as like a high-tech looking garage band without that many like features, but you can still set like uh, your envelopes, your different octaves. It's like a four octave scale that you can actually go through that they've got set up for you. Right, because there's only enough keys for one octave on the keyboard, right? Correct. Or on the piano. Oh. oh man, this is so cool. Like, the the two items that I would love to play around with the most are definitely the piano and probably the fishing rod or motorbike. I don't know about between so, those two, but they both sound really, really fun to play with. So I haven't played with the fishing rod yet. I was kind of hoping that Neil would be stopping by and we'd be doing a live session today. And then I was going to have him stick around. We were going to build the fishing rod, record it, record the building of it. And then just go ahead and do like a quick little demo playthrough. But with the motorbike, I decided to build it because I was like, okay, this isn't going to be like too intricate. And I don't think it's going to be that interesting. It's actually kind of cool how everything works. There aren't any reflective pieces that are used for their motorbike. It's strictly using the accelerometer and the, um, oh God, what's the thing that checks out rotation? Um, that still be gyroscope, most yeah, likely? Yeah, the gyroscope. Okay. So it's got the... So you're pulling back on the handle to make it go. You've got little things that you've actually attached to the inside of the handle to where it's pushing the right trigger and left trigger and the uh, right bumper 
of the Joy-Con to like brake, horn, speed boost. You can do wheelies and whatnot. Oh, cool. So then after you do that, you kind of, you learn about this um, stadium mode to where you actually use the IR sensor in the right Joy-Con. You can set up your own terrain by scanning things with that IR camera to set up terrain. And then you can actually build your own racetrack using like this little gun and this little mini motorbike thing. So like you push the gun to actually go forward and then using the motorbike separate attachment that you have, it's like a little, looks like a little, little bicycle motorcycle that your, one of your joy cons is just slid into. You use that and you kind of just tilt it around in like the three, three dimensional space to make your own entire, entire new, um, racetrack. I'm like, oh, that's pretty nifty. That is really cool. I was excited when that got unlocked for me. And I was like, cool, I can play with this. But yesterday was mainly spent just building the motorbike, the house. Actually, the motorbike and the house. And then we did a couple of other like random things of just watching anime. But, But yeah, it's they're not super fast builds. They're easy enough to understand that I would not put in I wouldn't doubt like a small child would be able to just figure this out by themselves and they also teach you so and they'll teach you inside the lab of software they'll teach you how to repair repair your cardboard so one of the repair things I watched was on the RC cars since they use vibrations on the ground it's like oh my RC car is not going anymore because like the little tips that the RC car is on is set is like bent in bent inward slightly so it's not like vibrating evenly anymore so they're like oh yeah so you take the so they're like oh yeah you can either reinforce the ends with tape or you can reinforce it with by taking the piece that you have that you pop the that you pop the rc car out with you can actually cut the little piece off make a template cut out more of our nice cardstock and then tape that to the ends so that way you've got reinforced things and i'm like oh shit they're teaching the kids how to like build their own toy con slash reinforce and repair whatever they break and then they're also teaching them like oh yeah and you can use all these pieces cut your own cardboard out and say your cardboard that you use is like really flimsy they're like, here's how you build bracers to make the, to make your cardboard better. The educational value of this variety kit just seems like really, really um, a good quality and kind of a, a reinforcement to why it would be such a great item to purchase for any sort of like family household. And then the creative elements of it like gets me really excited as an adult of um kind of the like more intricate and you know like detailed work you can go towards creating your own i guess games or even just like really customizing your experience and playing around with like those those tools and the building elements oh yeah i've been actually just texting and telling all of my engineer friends that i know who have switches and are if they even don't i'm like hey, you need to at least come over and check this thing out and are, you've got a Switch, buy the variety kit. Just, you might be a cheatscape. Just buy it. It's nice. 
I mean, it's it's less of a gamble than just buying just about any other AAA game outright. You know, at its sixty dollar price point, this is only about two thirds of that, and it just seems like, although the activities themselves for maybe an adult lose some of their, um, I don't know, they lose some of their novelty probably pretty quickly for an adult versus a kid the ability to kind of tweak and really play around with that, I think would give it a lasting appeal for pretty much all audiences of any age. I am super excited for the modding community. Oh yeah. Absolutely. This. this is going to be a new favorite of the modding community. And I mean, Nintendo doesn't have like PC gaming obviously has the largest modding community when it comes to software, but um, this is really, really cool that the actual like physical construction of things as well as the um, software like software elements can both kind of come together and really create this like very versatile platform for gamers. I'm I'm very excited about this. Oh yeah, it's. It's gotta be kind of it's it's kind of amazing. Like so, just the RC car using one of the lessons in the workshop. I haven't quite unlocked it yet, but I've seen it. Is you can turn the RC car into a tank game, to where you quite literally you're driving the car around, and you're trying to face the I, your IR camera at the other tank, and then you push a button, and then it shoots the tank, and then it'll disable it. Are even like you can set it up to shoot at specific targets, and I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I remember reading that um, with the RC car, the IR camera is sensitive enough that you could have it like follow an object if you wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Um, so I think the last thing then is the house. I know nothing about this because I really didn't look into it. What can you tell me about the uh, house toy con? that you built what what functions does it have so the house toy con is a tamagotchi so with the house toy con it comes with let me give me one quick second need to yeah no problem i think i already kind of get the gist of it then you you know you build it and then you play with it and then you forget about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and your tamagotchi dies because you didn't feed it Pretty much. Yeah. So when you build the house, you build it with one, two, three attachments. One attachment is this crank that has a nice little tactile um, feel to it. I love that audio. I bet Neil's going to enjoy that too. (laughs) It's got reflectors on certain parts so that way the IR camera, once it's inside the house, can actually know, hey, this is the crank one. There is a key mechanism that actually like springs back because it's using rubber bands. And a push button that also springs back, but it's not using rubber bands. It's strictly using the cardstock. So putting these, and there are three holes inside of the um, house. On the left side, the right side, and the bottom. And putting... Any three of these items inside in any kind of combination will like spur on like a different mini game. So like the push button along with the key 
gives you this mining game where your Tamagotchi pet looking thing is in a mine cart and you quite literally, you turn the key to turn the mine cart on and it goes forward and then you pick up the box and you put it down to make your mine cart jump to pick up, to pick up like, um, to pick up gold, I think, and, and go and not hit bombs. And the more things you collect, you get more, um, the more things you collect, you get food for your Tamagotchi. And the food will, like, customize your Tamagotchi to basically change its color and things of that nature. Okay. And then there's this little bonus thing that is, like, two plugs. Now, these plugs are very fancy plugs because you use it to connect one house to a second house. So this is when it comes into handy of having like more than one set of Labo variety right. kits. So you can corner the uh, Nintendo uh, apartment market. Pretty much. The so Nintendo I'm kind neighborhood. Of, <laughs> so I'm like really excited because I know my older brother's getting Labo for, for his family. He's getting both the variety and the robot kit. So that just means, hey, once I see my baby cousin's baby cousin once i see my niece taylor i'll know she'll have it so that way we can actually connect our houses together so that way our tamagotchi will be able to like talk with one another oh that's and cute and then with the idea of being able to connect the houses together like this i know with the um workshop you can actually customize like one of the videos that they keep showing on the workshop is using the fishing rod to control the tank oh, so at that point i know cool. that you'll be able to connect the houses together to like control something weird. So this is going to like become an entire thing that says, Hey, multiple versions of Labo can talk to one another. So that way you can do different things together with other people as well. That's really cool. So I'm thinking that I'm going to end up buying the robot kit and then just buying piecemeal parts of the variety kit because I think that the same cartridge comes no matter what you get with the Labo. I think. I'm not 100% sure. I have no way of verifying. Oh, I guess I could probably Google that now. But either way. Yeah. I'm like I'm like super excited for what this thing can actually become. And just like, even for me, just buying the variety kit and using the piano seems fun enough based on the reviews i've been watching on the uh nintendo labo a lot of adults are finding the fishing rod to be the most fun game there are three different types of fish you can catch they say it gets kind of old after you've caught a bunch of the different kinds of fish but clearly that can just be like a quick add-on slash add-on slash a little programming tweak to get new fish types But yeah, oh, I guess one thing I meant, did forget to mention with the piano kit, it comes with this little punch card to where in the studio mode, you can actually oh, for drum put the beat, punch right? card. Mm-hmm. So you can put the punch card in there and you got, it represents a hi-hat, a closed hat, a open hat, a snare, and a kick. So you can do a quick little loop of a drum beat and you can also do custom waveforms. 
So it comes with a saw and a, oh gosh, the curvy pattern for different kinds of sounds that you can have your piano make. But you can also, you know, just cut out your own cardboard to make your own custom waveform. So I'm pretty sure you can get like a noise waveform in there as well. Curvy pattern. Wait, are oh, are you talking about like the, uh, oh man, on a keyboard, like like that tweak that you can bend, yeah, that's bend where the sound wave? Like, yeah, where you can edit the sound wave to either be like the triangle looking one or the curvy one or the blocks. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it comes with it comes with the saw, which is the one that looks like the triangles, and the um, wave looking one. Okay, man. But yeah, Nintendo I'm, Labo. It is kind of not really all that expensive if you think about it past cardboard, because it's so much more than cardboard. I actually, honestly, I think they just had to stick. No, they didn't have to stick numbers on what the um, what the cardboard costs for them to send it and ship you for like the spares. But honestly, thinking about it from like just a video game standpoint, how much is Labo MSRB? So for the variety kit, sixty nine ninety nine. What are you paying for your other hardware? That what are you paying for your other software that doesn't come with a bunch of shit? Yeah, sixty nine ninety nine for the robot kit. Seventy nine ninety nine. What are you paying for the special edition of your your digital deluxe version? Seventy nine ninety nine. So if you think about it from a software standpoint rather than a rather than a hardware standpoint, you're paying you're, buying you're paying game. a normal market price for software, and then on top of it, you're getting this physical equipment. Correct. That's quality physical equipment too. It sounds like. Yep, and easily. Easily made with like a 3D printer or easily even made with a shit, just cardboard. Like I can just see myself taking a cardboard box and making some of these things and just making like a thick, thick version of them. All in all, yeah, I I think the people who complain about Labo, you're paying 70 and 80 bucks for cardboard or they're dumb and don't think about, you know, actual software. And for those who think it's just for children, fuck me. <laughs> it took me over an hour to build some of these things. Yeah, I yeah. had my skepticisms about it before it came out, and I got to see what people were doing with it and you know, learn more about the equipment. So I understand how some people can be you know, maybe skeptical or cynical about it, but I am growing more and more excited the more I learn. Um, I probably will have to pick up Nintendo Labo sometime soon. And then just thinking about it from the commercial, like the first initial commercial that they showed with Labo, they had a bunch of ideas for accessories. Yeah, so like I, I can see that this platform grows by quite a bit over the next couple of years. And then I was, um, I was looking at like a fan-made video that was made two months ago of, a, of what they called the Labo Telescope. So it was quite literally just a fan-made video about... A guy, he put the switch inside of this little thing that looked like a telescope. And then he used the Joy-Con controllers to like zoom in and select different planets. And I'm like, oh. That's awesome. That's a that's a really cool idea. But yeah, so I'm excited for what the Labo can do and what it's going to end up being. Cool. Well, I'm going to need Neil. Hey, Neil, 
to edit in a very short break here for us for a second so I can run to the bathroom really quick. Sweet. And then we'll get back and we will tackle news afterward. All right, and we're back. And uh, I don't know about you, Cookie, but it seems like it's been a relatively slow news week. The only thing that I found of interest on my end was um, the acquisition of Campo Santo, the studio behind uh, the critically acclaimed game Firewatch, has been uh, picked up by Valve. Now, That's actually good and bad. Yeah, so what I understand about this is uh, that I know Campo Santo has a game coming out soon called In the Valley of the Gods. Um, and if you haven't seen it, it looks to be in the same kind of realm as Firewatch, except um, I believe a lot of your dialogue and interaction and exploration won't be happening via just radio. You'll also have your companion as you are scouring these Egyptian tombs and pyramids and whatnot, which I guess are one and the same. Um, but it does indicate that uh, uh, Gabe Newell who had stated um, somewhat recently that Valve would like to get back into making and shipping games, will be slapping a, uh, I believe, a uh, Valve signature, essentially, on the Valley of the Gods game when it releases. So, I mean, this could be good. These, I haven't finished Firewatch, but Firewatch was a pretty... Um, pretty entertaining and enjoyable game and uh i assume in the valley of the gods will probably meet the same quality standards it's outside of the realm of what uh, i've seen with other valve games for sure but it would be nice to have some of their like it they're both i guess they're both games that are probably going to be based plenty upon like some pretty linear narration and uh like interaction and storytelling and good writers often make those games or i guess they really make or break those games in the same way that uh portal is a puzzle game it's also a game that you derive a lot of entertainment or enjoyment from kind of how they build the world and the writing involved so this could be I don't know. It could be a good thing. I'm, I'm interested in seeing how it plays out here. Well, I can honestly say that I'm not terrified when I hear that Valve's buying game studios versus versus EA. Correct, because EA that's just saying, oh, that person just got paid a lot of money for their studio to die. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think of projects Valve's been involved with in the recent future. And I mean, uh, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, really. So them getting, them really, you know, getting back into game making could could be um, a nice sign for the gaming industry. I mean, they certainly don't have to. Steam is uh, an excellent way for the company to make money. But yeah, considering um, Dota Two was the last game they actually made. Oh man, yeah. And that was in 2013. And before that, it was Counter-Strike Global Offensive. So Counter-Strike Go. Well, yeah, they'll probably build it. I mean, that's one of those things. I actually somewhat expect them to keep up on building games like Counter-Strike. 
because it's, I mean, like, that's a very easy game to craft and update, right? It's not um, necessarily victim to the same amount of hype as, say, Half-Life 2 or if people are looking for a Left 4 Dead 3 game. Or, I'm sorry, Half-Life 3, obviously. Half-Life 2 is completed. Yeah. Or a Portal 3. Actually, I forgot that it's a, isn't it a trope for Valve that they they can't make it to a third game in anything that they make? Um, looking at these games that they've made, yeah. <laughs> Considering Team Fortress 2. Oh, that's true. They can't, they can't get past 2. Um, wait, wait, Quake 3, Quake 3. Oh, <laughs> there you go. When did Quake 3 release? That's like early 1999. Oh, okay. Very early 2000s, before before the uh, turn of the century even. I think the newest Wolfenstein's a part three, technically. Is it? Oh, um, were they involved with the most recent Wolfenstein, though? Oh, shit. Nope, never mind. Because that, that would have shown up on this list. That would have shown up on this list. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It was interesting news to take note of. The other thing that I've been seeing around in the gaming news is um, pretty high scores for God of War, the reboot. and or It's not even a reboot, really. The continuation. But I believe it's, it's another... Um, it's now not based on Greek mythology, but instead has some more... Uh, Norse. Norse roots. Because Norse is where it's at right now with the um, whole, oh gosh, what's his name? Thor? Oh, yeah. Thor from Marvel? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, I'm interested in it. I played, I rented God of War 2 when I was younger and uh, played that game start to finish over like a week's time. But I actually haven't played the first one, never played the third one. And really don't have a huge concept of what the storyline of the games are besides the fact that Kratos was very angry and ready to like cause some gratuitous violence to the gods and other yeah. Greek mythological figures. It yeah, seems I, like it's changed we, from that narrative to be a little bit more tempered, a little bit more... Um, I guess actually th- that character that Kratos has a little bit more character to him than just being like a, a conduit of like rage and violence. Uh, Pretty much. The problem is, is I'm obviously falling for the pitfall that is any game described as being dark souls like or dark souls esque. I've read that it has some, you know, RPG light elements to it and that it is a little bit more tactical combat than previous games. But I mean, the previous God of Wars were all beat-em-ups, more or less, right? Yeah, so I can honestly say I played and beat the first one, loved it. The second one, we, me and my brother both never got to finish because during the owning of that game, we bought it. Oh, wow, I got a 10 for my GN. We bought it. We got about partway through, a couple hours in, and then the game crashed so the actual disc was broken so we got a new disc and then we went through another playstation 2 because then i think either our playstation 2 went out or that second game was broken as well so we went through two copies of god of war 2 and two playstation 2s to attempt to play this damn game (laughs) and at that point it's a sign that you should just give up on it 
Yep. I told one of my friends in college that I was like, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And he was like, oh, man, you got to play God of War 3 then. So I started playing God of War 3 on his PlayStation 3, and it was wonderful. I got to tear the guy's eyeballs out at the beginning of God of War 3, and I was like, sweet, this is going to work. And then Athena just like, she came into screen, and then everything tore like game-breaking tears everywhere. And then his PlayStation 3 kind of did a little wheezing sound and then shut down. (laughs) (laughs) That's rough. So I'm not even going to attempt this new one. (laughs) But it got a 10 on IGN, so, you know, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, no, I'm looking around and... um Polygon gave it 10 out of 10, and Kotaku seems to have given it a pretty positive review. What was its Metacritic score? Uh, 95. Yeah, like it's it's uh, racking up some, some acclaim here. So I'm interested. I'm just worried that I'm going to buy it, expecting it to be um, something that it's not, knowing full well that beat em ups like really like that's just really not my thing um but yeah here here's a here's a good description i see it's a little bit witcher a little bit dark souls a little bit of last of us and a little bit old school god of war those are all good games um and they're all fairly competent combat mechanics Mm, i'll hold my tongue on the witcher for that but uh it's got me curious it's I'm I've got to balance that between Labo and other things right now. So maybe we'll throw in a review for that sometime soon if I do pick it up. Indeed, indeed. Oh, I do have a question for you then at that point actually. Yeah, go for it. How is Nino Kune two treating you? Fucking great. That game is so good. Um so I have obviously made some comments before that it is very much in the vein of that like studio ghibli you know like miyazaki style narrative where it's kind of like it's good versus evil and it's somewhat a little cheesy or saccharine at times and so it's sometimes a little predictable but i'm getting to a point where if your main goal, like if I didn't know that this was obviously a video game and a level five game at that, who uh, my personal experience is not that large with them, but from others I've talked to are known for making notoriously long games. If I knew that completing my task would just be like visiting the five kingdoms that I need to and getting them to sign this declaration of interdependence, and then it would be game over, happy ending, then um, I'd be close to that point now. But knowing that it is uh, a game with a little bit more longevity than that, there has been some really interesting developments in the story and the plot. Like, some really exciting twists that make me, like, almost refresh... I never got tired of the game that, like, refresh my determination to really put a bunch of time into this game though the other thing that i've been enjoying too is right before the game started to feel formulaic in how you're interacting with each kingdom i was worried that it was going to be meet their corrupt leader 
expose their corrupt leader for being a shitty corrupt leader and then fight their uh, king's bond, which is, or king's guard. I don't know it actually what they call them, but kingmaker, that's what it is. You fight their kingmaker, which is essentially their like big WMD of magical proportions. Um, they've mixed it up a bit for the city of Broadleaf and comparing it to Gold Paw, and then I can't actually remember the name of the other one. I think it's Hydropolis. Each task is a little different for each area to a big enough extent that it's really pretty entertaining um, and diverse. So in Gold Paw, I have to like essentially do some scouting around to uh, root out a conspiracy. And then in the second game, I have to or not the second game, but in the second task with Hydropolis, I have to essentially gather the attention of the royalty and then complete a task for them, which has me using like the mini or the chibi like battlefield system. And then for this third one with Broadleaf, it was more like a puzzle dungeon run to the top of the uh, city. So each, uh, I guess each chapter has been very interesting and just different enough that I'm like blown away by this game at every corner. I'm really enjoying it a lot. Nice. Yep. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, uh, to finally finishing it. And I don't know when that will be, but hopefully soon. I'm glad we suck this in on the news section. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's okay. I don't know. Neil is the, uh, Neil is by far the most on the pulse with the news out of the three of us. And, um, I, I'd hate to take away his last remaining job on the podcast. Besides, you I don't know, know someone's got all the edit critical editing and distribution. <laughs> but you know, that's that's easy peasy, um, because we don't edit here at Fancy Ramen. Um, but yeah, that's that's about all I've got. I mean, I don't I don't know if I really need to say any more. I will probably do a summation of the game once I get to the very end of it, but past that and not having any more news to talk about that's of interest to me unless you have anything else to add i th- i say we roll the uh, the uh credits i'm i'm fine with that basically all i wanted to say was that yeah labo knows that you want little pieces and to replace parts they are making them available all right well if uh you enjoyed this neil free episode of fancy ramen please feel free to write us in at uh fancy ramen or I'm sorry, at podcast at fancyramen.com. You can also leave us a uh, like or a review on Apple Podcasts. And um, please don't forget to tell a friend about our podcast and uh, help us grow our audience. The best way to do it is by word of mouth, and there's nothing better than a recommendation from a friend. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, Cookie, this has been a pleasure recording episode 33, 33, I'm sorry, 33 plus 30, episode 63 with you. Um, Good cover. (laughs) I've been Scott, and I can do math. And I've been Cookie, and I can fold cardboard. We'll see you next time, guys.